Welcome, everybody. We already are up to episode three of the RC Underground Radio podcast. And along with me, as always, Ryan Ratzoff. Ryan, welcome. Well, hello, hello, hello. We had the uh, Midwestern 200. The 18th running goes all the way back to 1981. But as much as things change, some things stay the same. Some, some things do stay the same. Uh, that was a... That was one heck of a race, man. It was so much fun that day. So I'll, I'll let you, uh, because, you know, this thing's been, this this was the 18th running of it, right? And and your dad, uh, Ken, started this whole darn thing. And we had two guys, actually three, yourself included, OG Midwestern runners at the underground running this race. And so I was I was nervous because I'm like, boy, these guys know how to do this race. You know, they they got it. Uh, so, uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, so I'll let you kind of talk a little bit more about the history. Cause unfortunately when you guys ran this race, um, I'm pretty sure I was still wetting the bed, uh, underpants and filling them. Um, so I don't know much about that back then, but enlighten me a little bit on, you know, some of the history of the Mid- Midwestern. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm glad to see that you're over that, like that most as days, as far yes. as I know, most days, happening. most days. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, that's great. So, yeah, it does date back to 1981. And the biggest difference with this race is that it's it's a long lap race and it actually has pit stops. Now, back in the day, we used to do cautions. We don't need to do that anymore because we have corner marshals. So that's fantastic. That actually made the race really, really interesting. Yeah. The strategies were uh, all over the board, which was which was fun. So, um, but, yeah, it dates back to 1981. Uh, 18th running. And again, we have to say running because not annual, obviously, because right. that's over 40 years ago, right? right? Uh, but, yeah, like we said, some things uh, are new, but some things stay the same and amazing. Sure. I mean, you couldn't have wrote this story if you tried. So No, no. The inaugural winner of the Midwestern, who then comes back and wins it again in 83, and then again in 86, comes back 40-some years later. Right. Right. And wins it again. Yeah. It, it, and, you know, you talk about lights out. Uh, it was it was pretty impressive the way he was able to wheel and, and just go through traffic. Um, and and not to mention, you guys were running different cars back then. Yes. You were running. You were running. Uh, I don't even know, remember what they called the batteries. Were they like nickel metal hydride? Yeah, or? Nickel metal. Yeah. Yeah. So you run a nickel metal. They'd last for a few laps, which is why the whole pit stop thing. Yeah. You know, now with our lipos, we can theoretically you can get 200 laps out of those at the underground. But I mean, think about that. Race winner first, you know, had run three of them previously. Right. And he comes out with a completely different car. Different batteries, right? Whole different strategy, but the fact of the matter remains, he is still a Midwestern uh, winner and uh, just an absolute wheel man. So to do that, again, was pretty darn cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to see. Uh, but boy, what uh, we had a packed house in that basement. Uh, every table was taken. Uh, we had some just tremendous drivers down there. And uh, to just make that final five, I think, was something to really be proud of. You were in it. Um, so we'll get your perspective in a little bit on what it was to be in the driver's seat for that deal, um, as well as, you know, just our observation of the race itself. But, you know, we could sit here and talk all we want, but there's a guy that really has all the intel 
on how this thing went down. So we are fortunate to have on the line the only four-time winner of the Midwestern. Let's welcome in Nick Ciccone. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing good, buddy. So has it sunk in yet? Um, it sunk in on the way home, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, they bought me a, a throne at the house here. <laughs> so I'm speaking to you guys from the throne. <laughs> no, it, it really, truly was sinking in. I think I actually texted you on the way home because it did. It sunk in on the way home. Yeah. Um, the, the, the travel was treacherous. It was snowing real bad. And I had a lot of time to think. And I just went, uh, reflected on, wow, that's a lot of years in between. And, uh, and it was still just as fun that day as it was back in 1981, probably if not more fun this time. So, yeah, well, you got to admit the the competition was amazing. I mean, that we had to whittle down and we had to start it out with the D in the alphabet soup, five guys going for one spot. And let's talk about that for a minute. So I thought that like before the race, I was like, huh, I wonder if ever, if there'll ever be a time somebody will go from the, you know, survive the D main where only one guy goes on and then go all the way. And I was even thinking just go all the way into a feature, not go all the way and then win it. And that's exactly what you did. So how did that all shake out? What kind of pressure was that intensity being in a D main that you had to win, not can finish anywhere else. You had to win it to, to advance. Well, here, here's the funny part to that is, there was no pressure because I actually thought I was only in like two heat races and then whatever the points move on from there. And then we go to the heat to the uh, feature. And I guess I wasn't really paying attention to the format and it really just kept happening where I said, Oh, I'm racing again. (laughs) I'm racing again. (laughs) So in reality, I think what the strategy ended up being was I ended up having the most practice laps throughout the day. Um, that's how I took it. Um, and it ended up being a wild card winner. Yeah. And I mean, that was a stack D main. I mean, that it D was. main could have easily been an A main, you know, or been a feature. I yeah. mean, you and George and Jake Bolter and yeah, just, just a stack deck of drivers. So, um, yeah. So then you come out of the D, then you got to go into the C a little, a little pressure off because two guys make it now. Right. Um, I can't remember it. Did you actually win that one too? Or I think you finished second in that one, right? I think it was second. Yeah. 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 Cause I think Steve won that one. And then the two of you continued on then into the B. Yeah. The B a little more pressure off because three of five, three of four made it. Yeah. So that took a little pressure off, but then you guys had to jump right into the deep end of the pool and go 200 laps uh, with two other great drivers, which was Ryan and then a new driver, Aaron Striblow, which that kid had it going. He's on. a wheel man. He's a wheel man. You know, I mean, he's got his own track and he does his thing. Yeah, he was, he was, he was lights out. That was one guy that I was, you know, going into it, going, I don't know if I'm going to be able to compete against this guy. I wasn't so much worried about you, Nick, but uh, <laughs> right. Well, Aaron was Aaron was the quiet, deadly one. 
I think, yeah. for the day. No right? doubt. No doubt. <clears throat> Without right, a doubt. Right. Yeah. yeah, and then Todd Booker. Todd actually won the B-Main. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was throwing his hat in the ring that he had the car straightened out, and he was ready to go. I mean, yeah, you couldn't – there was no line at Vegas. It was straight across the board for all five cars that were in that main. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that throughout the season. So – but, uh, yeah, okay, so let's get into the race itself. <clears throat> I believe, if I, if I remember right, um, um, Ryan, you you were on the pole. You won yep. the uh, pole dash between you and Aaron. That's correct. And then uh, you took off, and you were you led, I think, about 16 or 17 laps of that deal. Uh, of the feature? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, you know, and that's the thing, right? So I think Nick was second, uh, right behind me. And, you know, for me, I know there's tons of talent behind me, right? So I get nervous and my nerves really did kind of take off. I, uh, I used a little, maybe a little bit too much, uh, awesome sauce on my tires. I had some, some traction, traction issues per se. Um, you know, and, and I certainly didn't want to destroy anybody's race running behind me. Right, because we just had such a blast throughout the day. Um, I knew Nick had worked his way up from basically the bottom, right, and um, and so didn't want to, you know, get in anybody's way. So had some issues, and those guys just got in front of me, and it was lights out from there. I, I think I wound up finishing fifth in the feature. Yeah, but I think you did. You you had a car issue, didn't you? Though, because I think didn't you pull into the pit area for a lap or two? Uh yeah, yeah, I did. I made a quick shock adjustment and tried to make it a little bit better but uh yeah it, yeah it was it was uh tough because you had Steve, Nick, right, Aaron, the and and Todd and those guys were just so darn quick. You couldn't you couldn't catch up, right? I mean, I I made up a few laps um but uh yeah, that was an awesome race. Yeah. So Nick, everybody was kind of I would say three of the five cars in the field were really having a traction roll issue as Ryan pointed out just who would ever think we'd have too much traction on a foam track, right? But yeah. boy, that track really comes in throughout the day. All that sauce, um, she really gets she really gets tacky. But you didn't seem all day to have that issue. I mean, don't give away your secrets, but is that, <laughs> is that true? Where you're just throttling the car differently, or what was going on there? Because yeah, your car just seemed to be stuck all four corners. Well, actually. Uh... In the begin in the heat races, I was running the uh, the box tires without realizing that they were different, and I felt like I was a little bit a little bit all over the place. But I actually liked that feel biting into the turns. Um, and then it wasn't until I don't even remember. I think it was right before the I was changing it. I think I changed the tires early on or something. I'm not, I, I can't even remember, but it changed everything. And it was just the way the tire, just the way the, the car, I put it down and it was hitting. It was hitting in every corner and nothing. There was no traction roll. Um, and what, what I was seeing throughout the race was I kept my eye basically on each car. And it seemed like each car, I feel like I didn't win the race. I actually feel like everybody lost the race. I don't know if that makes sense, but every car seemed to start having either a roll issue or a mechanical issue or something go wrong. And I felt like my car, nothing was happening. I was avoiding wrecks left and right for unknown reasons. Um, my car wasn't rolling. And while everybody else was going into the pits and rolling, 
I was gaining some ground and it, it gave me a little bit of freedom to a little bit relax in the end. Sure. And it, it, I tell you, that's the strategy there because things happen so quickly. There's no doubt. And you know, you could just tell, I mean, Nick, you know, I, I, you're Mr. Consistency. I mean, you're obviously, you've got the, the hand-eye coordination, the talent. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, but you did have a good crew chief that day. Um, you know what, <laughs> but I, 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 I say that, but, uh, you know, again, you know, Nick, Nick literally. So the cool thing is, right. He taps me on the shoulder when we're during practice, right. He goes, check this out. And I go, Oh, so he did the exact <laughs> same livery as his, the first Midwestern car winner on, on his one RC dirt late model. And I'm just like, man, that is the coolest thing ever. Right. So he's got this car all dolled up. But that was it. Everything else was box stock. I'd built him some shocks the week prior, you know, and, and we're bolting stuff on, and he's, he's getting to work on this car. But he literally pulls it out of the box and goes and wins the Midwestern. <laughs> and I'm like, buddy, what's happening? And we, we had done some things to his car uh, during the day. I told him, I said, hey, there's this one thing I'm going to do, but it's like Bruno, okay? We don't, we don't talk about Bruno. And so we're, we're sitting at my, my pit stall and we're working on this car and I'm like, buddy, do this, do this. And I had thrown kind of my setup in the car the way I like, like it to feel. And Nick goes out and he goes, man, it's just, you know, it, it I, I can't remember Nick. What was it? What was it? It was like, it was just hooking the corner too hard or maybe it was pushing a little bit. I think it was pushing right yeah. real bad. Yeah. And I said, <clears throat> Nick, just back it up into the corner. And then as soon as you get in the center of the corner, hit it and let the let the rear of the car steer it and the funny thing is i just all i did was tell him that it clicked in his head and he started doing it and then it was like oh gosh what did i do (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to win this thing and now i got mr consistency he can drive a car and the car's actually set up right i'm like ah well i guess nick's taking this thing home (laughs) but no it was so much fun just to see him go you know nick I, i say he him like you're not present but just to see you come from that field and what that what that race meant to you guys right growing up as kids it was that thing that kind of kept you out of trouble um and and you know it was something that bound you guys together right i mean shoot 40 years later you're still friends to have you come out and win that man was such such cool it was it was just neat it was kind of emotional like i was on the way home driving through the same snowstorm you were and I was like, man, if you're going to lose a race, what better race to lose to a guy like Nick, yeah, you know? Right. Because um, you are, you're probably the most humble racer uh, I've ever raced against. And, uh, you know, I know that that one meant to, what it means to you. So that hardware you brought home is so cool, buddy. Like, I hope you have that on your mantle at home. Oh, it's there. Good. It's in the living Good. room already. Good. Yeah. Right. And, and it's funny because o- o- over the years, things like that, you know, I had a long, uh, I had a 10 year fire department career. We, we just had a conversation the other day about it where I won some awards, got some certifications, some plaques, some whatever. And quite honestly, I don't even know whatever happened to them from the day I got them. I put them away in a file cabinet, I think, and really never looked back on them. I have no idea where those ended up. So I'm never really have been interested too much in the award part of life, I guess. This one was special, though. <laughs> this one meant a lot. Um, I, I felt it on that last podcast. I said, this is what I'm going after. This is the one I wanted. Um, and it felt really good. 
It really did, just because of the history of everything. And a lot of it goes back to Dave's dad, of course, and there's a lot of emotion involved. Um, but like I said over the weekend at the race, you know, Dave has always promoted the races. He, he, nobody's ever taken that position from him or nobody, nobody even started that position prior to him. Dave has been doing that since day one. He's been doing a flawless job. But we always had Ken, his dad, in the pits, whatever we needed, he was always there to take care of it. And quite honestly, I made the comment that, Ryan, you picked up right where basically Ken left off because I walked in the door and I had some issues right out, right out the box. I, had, I knew I had issues. And you looked at my car and knew I had issues. And you just picked it up and took it and said, let's work on this. Let's do this. Let's do that. So well, kind of neat. It's, a, it's yeah. a pretty cool feeling to still have that after all, after so many years. And plus, after Ken's, Dave's dad passing, to still have that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, that, and I talk about it all the time. It's the fellowship, right? It's the band of brothers. We're there to be nerds together and enjoy this hobby. And and the fact that we can do that for one another is, to me, that's the most important thing. And the irony of all that is, you know, the, the friendship you and I create, Nick, through all of this, right? Like, you could call me tomorrow exactly. and say, hey, my car's broke down. I need you to help me fix this flat or whatever. I'm there, man. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff we do for one another. And that's, Dave and I were just talking about this today. It's like, yeah, you know, a sure. lot of us have, like, church groups and things like that we bond as 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 people as men and like we have this now and and i'm excited too because you, you had talked about your son angelo getting into getting into this uh yep. i think we've got some things in the works for him to get down there and and, and wheel one of these cars around too so like it, it's just so much fun and that's the kind of stuff too like it impacted you guys as as young men right to see dave's dad doing this let's let's do that with angelo Right. Let's do that with the younger guys and get them into this and have some fun. We had uh, Ronnie Zima's son, yep. RJ, right? RJ. And we talked about him in the, in the, in the first, uh, in the first podcast. He's a little yep. older, but boy, I'm telling you, you get a few more laughs with that kid and he is going to be lights out. Yeah. Fellas. He's going to be trouble. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. just a little foreshadowing to that. He bought his own car. Oh gosh. So he's, oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. So I'm out. he's, uh, He's going to be something to reckon with. And he works on cars. I mean, that's his yeah. thing. He, yeah. he's, a, he's a motor guy, so he, uh, he'll, he'll be tough. He'll get there. Yeah, but it's just, it's just such a good group. And like I said, you know, for me, having, having Nick take this thing back home, right, like that was important to me. I, I, I wanted to see that. Of course, I would have loved George to do it because he's never won a Midwestern. Is no, that right? No. Uh, you know, the mad scientist George, right? So, uh, you know. It, it just meant a lot. That race was so cool. I think everybody left there with a smile on their face. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I, I hope it, you know, I know it did something for you, Nick, inside. Like, um, it was it was a great day, you know, and, and nobody can take that win away from you. Uh, it was just, yeah. a, just a cool experience. It was an awesome day. Uh, it definitely was. And, you know, I've, I've kind of tried over, over my lifetime to live my life where I only try to surround myself with good people. So I try to make assessments before I enter myself into a group of people and, and see already if I want to be part of it or not. And I'll tell you, I, it's the, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I came into this sort of blind because I really only knew Dave and didn't even know George was going to be racing. So really technically only knew Dave. And um, it turns out that this group is exactly 
a group of guys that I would have looked at and said, I want to hang out with these guys because of that camaraderie and the, the kind of the creativity amongst everybody that everybody's there to help each other. Um, it's just a great, awesome feeling to know that you're around guys that will always have your back. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and no doubt like iron sharpens iron, right? You surround yourself oh. with good people and, and you will continue to be one. And, you know, I think that's the best part of, uh, part of all this stuff that we got going on. Right. Yeah. I got, I got to go backwards though and say actually driving up to the race. I had it in my head what the standings were going to be at the end of the race. And I actually had my money on George. I really thought George was coming away with this one. Um, so just to backtrack a little bit, my own foreshadow thinking was George has got this race. Ryan's coming in second. I had uh, Steve coming in third and I actually had myself finishing dead last. And that, and that was the truth driving up there. I was like, yeah, I talk a big game, but you know, this is the way reality. I mean, George has been working on that car to get that thing. Right. Yeah, um, you have, you have got some, some awesome equipment sitting in front of you and you know what to do with it. Um, I just had that feeling that that's the way it was going to be, you know? So, so when we talk about that, uh, let's, and you talk about rewinding, let's rewind back to the D, uh, main and, how about the sportsmanship shown by Jake Bolter? Yeah. With yeah, absolutely what 15 laps to go. You guys kind of got together. You were running for the lead. You were on the lead lap. You put down so many great laps together. It's bound to happen on a track that you're turning what 2.5 second laps yeah. um, going into three. You guys kind of got together. Um, he spun, you spun, you both started to straighten it out. You got hit by another car. And while that's happening, Jake's not moving. He's yeah. staying yeah. completely still. Exactly. He waited for you to get yourself, you know, straightened back out. And then you guys raced it out. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? Actually, thinking back, I mean, you know, that was awesome that he did that. Because it, it probably set the stage for the rest of the day. Okay. But looking at all the races, I actually could point out that moment happened it was it was more important in that moment for sure, and without a doubt, he he could have owned that race if he would have just took taken off. But everybody had that moment, which was so cool. All right, Nick, we uh, we want to thank you for uh, joining us for this very special episode of the RC Underground Radio. Uh, Appreciate you being on the line. Ryan, we appreciate you as always. Appreciate you, fellas. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, my friend. Have a great night. Take care.